coming to you from a cozy little condo high atop old Fort Ward, Atlanta. Welcome, Welcome to The Ron Show on America One Radio. Here's your host, Ron Roberts. Ooh, y'all, and we almost had a crisis with the show today. By the way, what a gorgeous day. Sunny, it's like 84 right now. It's all I can do not to go outside and enjoy some of this. And uh, my uh, my oldest cat, Herschel, will make me do that later with a walk in the courtyard. <laughs> so I got that to look forward to. But the other one, Dooley, the, 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 the younger cat we have, she has not seen me all day because I've been out showing houses and running errands, went to the bank, all that good stuff. And when I got home and I sat down and, you know, plugged in the, the laptop to charge and was doing some real estate stuff, she kind of curled up between me and the laptop on the desk, threw her head against my arm and just laid there, kind of gripping me with her paw, purr, 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 claws, kind of, you know, gently caressing my forearm as if to say, don't go anywhere. This feels nice. Don't move. I think I'm going to take a nap on you. You don't understand. That was around 3.30. This show airs at 5 o'clock, which means it has to be done, or at least the first segment has to be done and shipped up to America One Radio in time to air at 5 o'clock. Panic had set in. Why? Because I had done none of today's show. So, there was a bird at the bird feeder on the balcony that got her attention, and here we are. I'm telling you, crisis averted. It could have been catastrophic if she had dozed off into a coma, and I'd have been tethered to that desk in the living room, far away from the recording equipment, and unable to do today's show. I mean, you think I'm kidding. Anybody who owns or has cats or pets, you understand. When a cat sits on you, it's over. There's nothing you can do. It, you're, you're there until they're done with you being there. <laughs> anyway, welcome to the show. It's hump day. It is also the day before April 20th. And I know what you're thinking. Ron, that's a pothead thing. I'm, I'm not a marijuana individual. And only because... I'll say this only because every time I've ever taken a hit or had an edible or anything of that kind, I get sleepy. Or if I am able to stay awake, like I can watch an entire movie, like see it, remember that I've seen it and not remember a thing about it. Oh, it's awful. I can't do that. I'm at an age where... If, say, it's a Friday or a Saturday night, and, hey, let's, you know, we're going to have a good time, you know, here, take an edible. I want to remember the night. Like, I want to have a good time, and I feel like, I just feel like weed does this to me where I either don't remember the night or I get sleepy pretty early, and I'm the first one to pass out. I I just want to do that. But, no, the significance of April 20 for me is that the Cherokee County School District has their next school board meeting. And I'm looking through the agenda, and I'm looking for something that isn't there. Let me let a news media account from early this month tell you what I'm looking for. Central Atlanta School Board member is trending on social media tonight for allegedly making transphobic comments to a professional wrestler. 11 Alive's Latasha Givens joins us now from the Cherokee County School Board office, where Robert Reichsteiner serves as the vice chair. 
And this is where many of the educational decisions are made for Cherokee County Schools. And Robert Rick Steiner has been on the board since 2006. But before that, he was a professional wrestling champion right. who goes by the name Rick Steiner. Mm -hmm. But now comments he allegedly made at WrestleCon in L.A. about another wrestler are coming under scrutiny. That is WXIA-TV's Latasha Givens reporting uh, a couple weeks back during spring break for Cherokee County Schools from outside the Cherokee County School District offices. I always love it when they send uh, a, a reporter out to do a live shot from an empty building. <laughs> it's like, just to show that you guys have gas cards and vehicles that can take reporters places? What's the point? There has been... As far as I can tell, zero follow-up on this story. And I'm not blaming Latasha, and I'm not blaming 11 Alive, WXIE-TV. I'm blaming all local media for dropping the ball on this story because nobody's done anything about it since this occurred. And in case you're wondering what the story is, well, let me give you the tweet that Giselle Shaw shared after WrestleCon a few weeks ago when Rob Recksteiner, a.k.a. Rick Steiner, had been booted from WrestleCon for his behavior. I'm going to read you this entire, uh, it's basically an Instagram post that she put on her uh, Twitter account. Giselle Shaw is a trans wrestler, okay? She writes, I have been bullied all my life and have never stood up for myself because I'm scared that I would get beat up physically, mentally, or emotionally. The bullies in my life have always silenced me, but that ends today. I was at an autograph signing event today at WrestleCon, and while I was walking to my table, I hear someone yelling, you're a man, you're a dude, you're a piece of trash, you are filth, get the f away from here. I kept my head down and kept walking as I did not want to acknowledge that hate. When I arrived at my table, I spoke to another Impact Wrestling talent who was at the signing with me and mentioned the incident. It didn't sit well with me, and I wanted to know who was saying that because it's unacceptable. So I decided to take a walk in that area, and I hear that same person saying the same derogatory comments. I looked at the person, and it was Rick Steiner saying those statements. I was shocked and could not believe that this was even happening. To have someone saying those comments, who a lot of people look up to and consider their hero, who also, by the way, is on a school board, I'm injecting here, was quite shocking and disheartening. I was in disbelief, so I asked him, Excuse me? He kept repeating those hateful phrases and started yelling at me in a public setting. It was inexcusable and unacceptable. Another disappointing part about this whole incident was that there were other wrestling legends who just sat there, turned their heads away, did not want to get involved or stand up for what's right because it involved, quote, one of the boys. Judging from that experience, it was more important for them to watch something wrong go down as opposed to standing up for someone who's being bullied and doing what's right. I'm not writing this because I want sympathy. I'm writing this because I'm done being bullied to silence. Today is International Transgender Day of Visibility. Uh, that was back in uh, on April 1st. And I'm standing up for myself and for other people who go through the exact same situation on a daily basis. I want everyone to know what kind of a deplorable person Rick Steiner, Rob Rick Steiner, Vice Chairman of the Cherokee County School District, is. And that this cannot be tolerated. She didn't mention the school board thing. I'm just bringing that up. This keeps happening because people let it slide, Atlanta local media, and do not take any action. Cherokee County School Board, if you do business with these type of people, then I will not be able to do business with you. I want to thank all of my impact peers who were present during the incident and tried to defuse the situation. Unfortunately, a member of that same peer group was also verbally accosted by Rick Steiner and being called a f Wow, earlier in the day. 
I am very fortunate to be working alongside such incredible people in a company that has no room for hate, bullying, or judgment. We're not just coworkers, but a family. So, of course, I have tweeted Latasha Dixon at 11 Alive because I, I want this story to be fresh in her mind. School board meeting tomorrow. Hopefully, 11 Alive will be there to cover that. Uh, I also reached out to, who did I just speak to? The editor-in-chief at the Cherokee, Cherokee Tribune and Ledger News. Her name is Shannon Balu. Very nice young lady. Wasn't sure she could even go on the show, so I appreciate her You know, just understanding that this is a show, a radio show, and she, of course, likes her job and hasn't cleared whether or not she can go on shows like this. Nonetheless, she let us know that uh, nothing new had come up about this story. Uh, she and I both looked at the agenda and said, hmm, odd, nothing on there about that. But at the bottom, before adjournment, there is public participation. And this is where you come in. If you live in Cherokee County, you don't even have to have a, a, a gay child, a trans child. What if you are just uh, a, a member of the LGBTQ plus community in Cherokee County, or you are sympathetic? You have friends who are in the LGBTQ plus community. You know what it's like to grow up being bullied for being different, and you find it important to bring this up in a public forum. Please do so. On the agenda tomorrow night before they adjourn, public participation. Someone has to be held accountable for this kind of bullying. We're talking about bullying. Bullying, y'all. Do you know what bullying does to kids psychologically? How it is a precursor to suicide attempts, to actual suicides? And you've got a vice chairman of a Metro Atlanta school board bullying a trans person? in public, kicked out of a venue, an event for bullying, using a word like F it in public, and that person is still on the Cherokee County School Board, somebody better speak up and do something tomorrow at this school board hearing during the opportunity to have public participation. The last item on the agenda before adjournment. And by the way, I, I just got off the phone a few minutes ago with Lorraine, who is the Democratic Party chair in Cherokee County, because I wanted to know, is the, is the party going to step up? Is somebody going to be there from the party to speak up on behalf of the LGBTQ plus children in the community? And it's her understanding that, yes, there will be folks there. Uh, they normally have folks in attendance to ask questions if need be and to speak out if need be as well. And so, fingers crossed, Cherokee County Democratic Party will have a presence there. I encourage them to do so. I will follow up with Lorraine. She says she goes by Rain, by the way. Everybody knows her by Rain. If you know Rain in Cherokee County, tell her, hey, I heard you mentioned on the Ron Show. So then she'll go, oh, you're legit. No, I mean, we had a great conversation. It was uh, completely fun, and hopefully she'll be listening uh, on the America One Radio app and AmericaOneRadio.com. See, this is how it works, y'all. It's grassroots. You get out and you meet people, you reach out, you touch base, you make contacts, and uh, hopefully we will see some traction on this story. Rob Rexsteiner, using words like f in public and anti-trans rhetoric, hollering at a trans wrestler and screaming, you're a man, you are trash, you are filth. There should be no place on any public education school, on any school board, private or public, for someone with this level of bigotry, 
or intellect, to be honest with you. This is just this is just knuckle dragging ignorance. And I am gonna keep my fingers crossed that tomorrow night at Cherokee County's school board meeting, there will be something said, someone called to account when they meet tomorrow night. That'll take place at the school board auditorium at the Dr. Frank Petruzillo Educational Services Facility, 7 p.m. And by the way, you can watch the live stream on their YouTube channel. All right, we got lots more to cover in today's show, some local stuff, some national stuff as well. All this talk about, oh, the GOP is in disarray. Y'all, we've got governors in democratic states that are having a hard time maintaining an agenda or even just keeping back uh, a very bigotry-laced agenda from the right because they're Democrats in red states. So we're going to highlight some of their issues. The gap between Trump and DeSantis is tightening, and they're going head-to-head with commercials. We'll cover all that and more on The Ron Show. Back after this. Hey, don't just listen to The Ron Show. Support The Ron Show. If you and your business would like to have your advertising done on this show, you know, it's pretty easy. You can drop me an email, ron at ronshowatl.com. You can also call me anytime you like. 404-919-2725. You can also just be a listener if you don't have a business. I mean, that would be most of you, right? Follow us on your preferred podcast platform by following any of the links we've got provided for you there on the podcast tab at ronshowatl.com. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, links there for you as well. Welcome back to The Ron Show. It is hump day, and the headline that I saw earlier today that made me go, oh, I know what they're going to do. They're going to try and bury this. Washington Post reporting that the Supreme Court has extended their uh, decision on when the abortion pill restriction situation will be adjudicated on by them through Friday, which means that Mifepristone is still available uh, throughout the United States, where it's legal in the United States, at least until Friday. And here's why I'm concerned about that. I don't know how many of you guys watched the West Wing back in, in the heyday. Was it on the 90s? Was it the 90s? Early 2000s? I think early 2000s. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be the early 2000s. Uh, I mean, it was still, you know, in standard def. Every time I see it on TV, my my eyes go, do I have glaucoma? No, it's just standard def. Um, anyway, there was an episode of the West Wing where uh, I want to say it was Josh Lyman and CJ, the press secretary, talked about, like, when they would release the bad news, the news that wouldn't get a whole lot of attention because of when they released it. It was Friday. Trash day, I think they called it. Trash day, garbage day, they just put out the trash. Because Americans' attention spans on Friday night. Yeah, it's the weekend. Got weekend plans. May not watch the news that night or the next day because kids got soccer games or we're going to have a cookout or we've got people coming over for a pool party and and we got church on Sunday, so we're not going to watch the news then either. And then we might catch 60 minutes after the sports ball game if we do anything newsy at all. See? Do you see what happens? Two, three days goes by before you realize what just got thrown out in the trash by ideologues on the left or the right. So... According to the Washington Post, Robert Barnes and Maramal reporting the Supreme Court today gave itself more time to decide whether a key drug that has been used by millions of women to terminate early pregnancies should remain available nationwide. It's first major abortion-related controversy since 
overturning Roe v. Wade's constitutional guarantee of abortion rights last year. I'm telling you, I, I got a bad feeling about this. I just do. I, I, I feel like this is kind of one of those scenarios where they pull the pin out the grenade, throw the grenade in the door, shut the door and leave. We're left holding the grenade until it blows up on us. On trash day, Friday. I, I, I legitimately think, I mean, if I had to guess, if I if I had to say, if you, if you put a gun to my head or you told me to wager a ton of money, uh, win or lose, what's going to happen on Friday, my hunch is the Supreme Court is going to tell us all that Mifepristone cannot be used in these United States. At least until, I guess, another round of FDA testing is done. Never mind that for nearly two decades before Mifepristone was given the green light by the FDA, it had been used prominently throughout the rest of the world. Never mind that the FDA did their own peer-reviewed research, testing, data collecting. Eh. Never mind that it's safer than Viagra. Fewer people who have used Mifepristone have passed away from any complications to using Mifepristone than men have died using Viagra. And yet, what's the drug that winds up before a Trump-appointed federal judge? Who, by the way, we learned last week, probably wouldn't have been confirmed if they'd known about an article he wrote in college. Here we are. And, and, And you don't think elections have consequences, right? We're talking about a batch of 77,000 so voters who just opted to sit out in 2016 in a few key counties in a few key states. No big deal, right? Got to show up, folks. You got to show up. Not showing up has lasting repercussions. It's one thing that Roe v. Wade was overturned, despite the fact that all the justices on the Supreme Court who were partial to overturning Roe v. Wade in the last couple of years, were on record as saying that it's established law. Oh, okay. You don't overturn, you don't overturn established law? No, it's, it's established. Oh, okay. Elections have consequences. And this isn't just about Mifepristone, y'all. We're talking about other drugs that now could be open to such scrutiny. The Biden administration, along with pharmaceutical companies, abortion right groups, according to the Washington Post, called the legal challenges to Mifepristone from any abortion groups an unprecedented attack on the expertise of the FDA, which relied on data from dozens of clinical trials when it approved the drug. They argued the lower court rulings would create confusion and uncertainty for abortion providers and have devastating consequences for the pharmaceutical industry's ability to bring new drugs to market. I mean, I'm not upset that maybe watching the nightly news, I'll see fewer of these Ozempic commercials or whatever the latest wonder drug is. That sounds delightful, quite honestly. At the same time, we, the consumer, rely on these drugs to treat things. And now we're going to set the medical and pharmaceutical process back half a century, maybe? Are you not alarmed? Again, elections have consequences. We thought it was funny when we were sharing memes on social media uh, about, you know, turning back your clocks 
you know, when it's time to, to, to turn back your clocks in the fall, uh, don't forget to set your clocks back an hour and don't forget on election day not to set your country back 50. And here we are. Here we are. Roe v. Wade gone. <laughs> Mifid Pristone on the precipice of being gone. Key provisions in the Civil Rights Act of the 1960s, gone. That allows for the gerrymandering that you see at the state level. That, that, that allows for laws like HB2 to become law in the state of Georgia, legalizing modern efforts at voter suppression. But hey, remember, Hillary and Donald, pretty much the same, right? Boy, how stupid were those people. Hey, I get it. I was upset too. I was a Bernie guy, very upset at the DNC. But at the same time, I saw the disaster looming and said, I'm going to hold my nose and vote for Hillary. Anyway, Supreme Court's going to decide on Miffy Pristone by Friday, we're told. And remember, I'm telling you, that's what they call trash day in Washington. Release the bad news and head out for the weekend and the American public won't be paying attention. I guess we'll all find out together. All right, the gap between Trump and DeSantis is tightening, and they're going at each other with commercials. Yay! We'll chronicle that after the break. Take the Ron Show wherever you go. Download the America One Radio app to your smartphone and listen on the go. Or in traffic, wishing you were on the go. The Ron Show on America One Radio. So, I don't know if many of you keep an eye on polling. If you listen to this show, you know I geek out about polling. Well, there's all kinds of polling to start paying attention to. Uh, this from the Miami Herald. On the right now, GOP primary. It's starting to heat up. And I, I was listening to Eric Erickson today. Yes, I listened to Eric Erickson. You got to know what the other side's talking about, right? He's already, he said, sick of the 2024 primary attacking. I mean, he won't be sick of it come general election time. No, <laughs> he'll love it then. But he's not liking the infighting. He's... He spent a lot of time today on his show talking up Nikki Haley and Mike Pence. In fact, he and the family are going to go to church this weekend with Mike Pence because they're good friends, and Pence is preaching this weekend at some Atlanta megachurch. I'm sure it's a megachurch. Anyway, Miami Herald. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis narrowly leads President Joe Biden in the battleground states of Arizona and Pennsylvania, according to a poll of hypothetical matchup. Uh, between the two men in the 2024 presidential race. The same survey, however, finds Biden leading former President Donald Trump in the two swing states, albeit by tight margins. The poll conducted from April 11th through April 13th by GOP firm Public Opinion Strategies and obtained by McClatchy, D.C., should bolster the argument from many DeSantis supporters that the Florida Republican is more electable than the former president. Trump lost re-election in 2020. Oh, wow, we're acknowledging that now. Uh, and has continued alienating some moderate voters with his ongoing false claims that the race was stolen from him. I'm wondering, by the way, if the Dominion voting 787,500,000 has maybe quashed some of that. Anyway, uh, the piece from the Miami Herald continues, Perceptions about the governor's general election strength compared to Trump have helped fuel his rise in the polls in the GOP 2024 primary, though DeSantis has not yet formally entered the race. In Pennsylvania, according to the poll, DeSantis leads Biden 45 to 42, while Trump trails the sitting president 42 to 46 percent. The survey found that in Arizona, DeSantis led Biden 48 percent to 42 percent. Trump, however, trailed the Democratic leader 44 percent to 45 percent. Also, in the New York Post, former President Donald Trump's post-indictment boost 
in the polls appears to be quickly fading, according to a new survey. Yahoo News YouGov poll released uh, yesterday found that Trump's advantage over Governor Ron DeSantis has dropped by 10 points in the last two weeks. Survey of 1,530 U.S. adults concluded, uh, conducted from April 14th to 17th, found that 52% favoring Trump, still 52% in the GOP, to 36% who said they supported DeSantis in a one-on-one matchup. The 52%, by the way, if you ask me, is important because it says that if you added up all the other folks who are being polled about in this race, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, Mike Pence, was this poll was conducted before. Oh, we didn't mention this, by the way, that uh, former Secretary of State uh, Mike Pompeo dropped out. Rest in peace, Mike Pompeo race. Uh, anyway, all of those combined couldn't get more than 48% versus Donald Trump's 52%. On uh, the same poll survey, 24 hours after the former president was hit with 24, I'm sorry, 34 felony counts of falsifying business records related to an alleged hush money payment scheme, Trump recorded his biggest lead over DeSantis, then 57% to 31%. So again, it's tightened from 57-31 to 52-36, according to the latest Yahoo News YouGov poll. Got to keep our eyes on that. In the meanwhile, those two are going at each other with the commercials. Pay attention to this one. Donald Trump is being attacked by a Democrat prosecutor in New York. So why is he spending millions attacking the Republican governor of Florida? Trump's stealing pages from the Biden-Pelosi playbook, repeating lies about Social Security. Trump should fight Democrats, not lie about Governor DeSantis. What happened to Donald Trump? So that ad from a DeSantis pack or a pro-DeSantis pack is in response to this ad that came from the MAGA War Room. I believe that's a pro-Trump pack. And by the way, the visual you're missing here, three fingers in a like a pudding cup. Apparently, there was this, this story that Ron DeSantis eats pudding with his fingers. I don't know why that's important to... who, who And who hasn't, by the way? I, I will admit, I will admit, here I, I'm, I'm giving DeSantis his, his, his due here. Like, if there's still chocolate pudding in the, in the cup, my clean finger has gone around that bad boy um, to get that last little bit of chocolate. If you really want chocolate, and who doesn't really want chocolate on occasion, you're going to get that last bit of pudding however you can. I mean, I usually use a spoon to scrape it, but I mean, who among us hasn't? Whatever. Listen to this uh, ad that came from the MAGA War Room. Ron DeSantis loves sticking his fingers where they don't belong. And we're not just talking about pudding. DeSantis has his dirty fingers all over senior entitlements. Like cutting Medicare, slashing Social Security, even raising our retirement age. Tell Ron DeSantis to keep his pudding fingers off our money. Oh, and somebody get this man a spoon. Make America Great Again, Inc. is responsible for the content of this advertisement. By the way, let's go back to, I believe this was in 2020, in the heat of the presidential race, and throughout the Trump presidency, we always got the, well, he didn't say that. When we have video of him saying it, well, then he didn't mean it. That's not what he meant. You're, you misunderstand it. Boy, we misunderstood him so much during his stretch in the presidency and the run-up too, huh? Right? I mean, he just said a lot of stuff that we misunderstood. It's just so funny how, like, we misunderstand that guy way more than anybody else. Here he is talking about cutting entitlements, though. We 
when these when these trade deals kick in and when all you know the economy is the best economy we've ever had it's nothing compared to what it's going to be uh-huh. when the trade deals kick in. But if you if you don't cut something in entitlements, you'll never really deal with the oh, we'll be cutting, But we're also going to have growth like you've never had before. Wait, what? That was Donald J. Trump saying we'll be cutting at a Fox News town hall in March of 2020. I'm just kind of fascinated. I think this is cool to watch the two leading Republicans for the GOP 2024 nomination arguing about who's going to side more with the Democratic Party than the other. Carry on, gentlemen. It's just going to be interesting to watch those two duke it out and how their polling kind of does that ebb and flow thing. I I, I think I think you'll see some waves, some blips. where, you, and, and that's just natural because they're both such polarizing figures. <laughs> you've, got, you've got one trying to take down Mickey Mouse. Oh, yeah, and the other's just an insurrectionist. So leave it at that. Um, let's see. Oh, speaking of crazies on the right, Marjorie Taylor Greene put her foot in her mouth over the weekend when she was sticking up for the, uh, Air National Guardsman, uh, Jack Teixeira, who, for whatever and inexplicable reasons, had access to some top secret stuff at such a young age and in the Air National Guard, uh, that he decided to share it on a video game social media account. Of course, that got out. Uh, she stuck up for him, basically pointing out his being uh, white. Was it white, male, heterosexual, Christian? Or Did I bring up the heterosexual part? Maybe he wasn't. I don't know. Um, she is being, as political reports, being put on an island over this. Uh, Anthony Adragna at Politico writes, even her fellow Hill conservatives appear unwilling to join Marjorie Taylor Greene in defending the Air National Guardsman, accused of leaking a trove of classified documents related to the Ukraine war and other national security matters. Uh, Marjorie, we uh, pointed this out yesterday, uh, drew early jabs from within the GOP for downplaying the severity of 21-year-old Jack Teixeira's alleged leak of classified information through the gamer-friendly platform Discord. While Fox News' Tucker Carlson joined her in expressing sympathy for Teixeira, of course, he too has been very Putin-friendly anti-Ukraine, you'll recall. The Georgia Republican hasn't gotten any backup, uh, according to Politico so far, from Capitol Hill's right flank, a group that has been plenty skeptical about continuing unabated U.S. aid to Ukraine. The leakers' actions were a crime. Senator Josh Hawley, who opposed a multi-billion dollar Ukraine aid package last year, added in an interview, I just think that's wrong. It's a separate conversation whether a lot of this stuff is overclassified. That's probably true. And it's a separate conversation about whether or not this administration has misled the public about what's happening in Ukraine. That's probably true, Hawley said. That influential conservative, according to Politico, added that claims to share had, quote, exposed stuff the public should know might be, quote, fair enough, but is the way he did it the right way to do it? No. Uh, let's see, there's more here. They're on an island with regard to serious policy people. This is Senator Kevin Kramer, Republican senator from North Dakota, in an interview regarding Marjorie Taylor Greene and Tucker Carlson. He went on to say, unfortunately, they're on an island of influence, but there's not a lot you can do about that. Uh, Let's see more here from Politico. Today, the leaders of the Senate Intelligence Committee, Mark Warner from Virginia, Democrat Marco Rubio of Florida, Republican, sent a letter to... Uh, the Pentagon demanding a host of information about the leak. Among the request, copies of all documents obtained and disseminated by Teixeira. Details on why it took so long for the government to identify the leak. Yeah, this stuff's been out there for a while. 
and whether the airman should have had access to the classified information. Again, an Air National Guardsman, y'all. 21-year-old Air National Guardsman. And, and immediately, of course, Kevin McCarthy, speaker of the oh, this is a Biden administration failure. How the hell would this be a Biden administration failure? If this is Pentagon protocol, do you really want any presidential administration micromanaging the Pentagon like that? This should not have been allowed from the jump. Marco Rubio, by the way, continuing to put Marjorie and Tucker Carlson on that island, said in an interview, in interview earlier in the week that time would reveal the leaker's motives, but added that his alleged actions were indefensible. It was illegal. It was a crime. I can't be supportive of someone committing a crime. Marjorie, for her part, called to share a, quote, white male Christian and anti-war and ask who is, quote, the real enemy. In an April 13th tweet, she moderated her defense slightly in a Monday appearance on Steve Bannon's podcast saying, quote, the leaker has, quote, got to face some penalties for what he's done. I'm not saying he shouldn't, but she went on insisting that more of the U.S. actions in Ukraine should be exposed. Tucker Carlson said at the top of his April 13th show that, quote, telling the truth is the only real sin in Washington. More from those not on the island. In terms of defending him as a hero, he's anything but that, according to Congressman Michael McCall of Texas, a Republican chair of the House Foreign Affairs Committee. He's compromised our sources and methods. He's compromised American lives on the ground, our assets on the ground that report intelligence to us. Even Republicans skeptical of actions on intelligence gathering wouldn't back Marjorie's position carte blanche. Rand Paul. Rand Paul said he wasn't familiar with the specifics of Teixeira's case, noting it did not appear to be, quote, an organized thing, but said he saw it differently from that of Edward Snowden, whom Paul described as a whistleblower routing material through the media. There have to be rules about releasing information, but I think also there sometimes are hard questions noting that he was not making an analogy between the two cases. Yes, and need I remind the right, and Marjorie Taylor Greene, reality winner from Augusta, Georgia. How did you feel about that then when it was Donald Trump in the White House? And by the way, did you blame the Trump administration for that? No, of course not. All right, one more segment of The Ron Show coming up after the break, back here on the America One Radio app, americaoneradio.com, and on your favorite podcast platform, links at ronshowatl.com. Final segment for the Wednesday Ron Show. It is also, by the way, the last day for public comments at FTC.gov on the notion of getting rid of non-compete clauses. Monday, I had Andy Trusevich on. He is a Dallas-based labor attorney and a, by the way, a Republican, I believe. I mean, he was all about Reagan and capitalism and all that good stuff. But I I digress. He is very much against non-compete clauses. See, we can find common ground on some issues that we should be solving together as Americans, right? I'm going to give you a taste of that interview and then remind you to go to ftc.gov to speak against non-compete clauses. By the way, I sent a notice to allaccess.com today. That is an industry radio broadcast industry trade website to put a note in today's newsfeed about public comments coming to a close today at ftc.gov, they've yet to publish it. I mean, they get a lot of flack from labels, record labels, who, by the way, have non-compete clauses, uh, and uh, radio broadcast companies that they need those influential contacts still on the inside. And I get the sense that they're afraid to upset the apple cart by encouraging people to speak against non-compete clauses. I mean, I'm going to keep checking their website, but as of right now, I still see no notes in today's net news at allaccess.com that speaks to public comments on non-compete clauses. Anyway, here's a little bit of that interview from Monday right here on The Ron Show. So 
to get rid of non-compete clauses uh, seems to me, well, especially from an employee point of view, like a no-brainer. Um, we, we were talking off the air just a minute ago. I used to work in radio broadcasting. Uh, I mean, aside from the show, this is just kind of a side hustle as I do real estate now. Um, but non-competes were particularly unfair if you got fired or if your station flipped formats and you suddenly found yourself out of a job. You couldn't go across town and work for uh, a competing station with a similar format that you had been on before. But talk to me. I mean, that's just from that's just from an anecdotal point of view. Uh, non-compete clauses can even apply to people who work in a fast food industry, just an hourly paid job and can't go across the street. That's correct. I mean, it is uh, non-competes are businesses way of handcuffing current employees and keeping wages down. And and just for full transparency, I am a capitalist. Mm. I believe in a free market economy, but non-competes are so antithetical to Americanism, to capitalism, to free trade. And they apply to hairstylists, security guards. Uh, one chain had their sandwich maker sign them. They had the delivery driver sign them. And it is nothing but a way to suppress wages. And the FTC, even though I'm no big fan of government agencies, I support this rule. And if you look at their study, $300 billion worth of wages are being suppressed by the current non-competes that are floating around that affect 30 million Americans. And you would expect them to just apply to the CEOs, CFOs, COOs. Uh, and they don't. They apply to the lower wage workers, the C-suite executives. If they get fired, one former or a current uh, uh, CEO of a bank made $86 million last year. That's great. But if he gets fired, he gets a $200 million golden parachute. Right. And and, it, and the average worker does not. They may get two, three, four weeks of pay, but yet they're under a six-month, nine-month, or a year non-compete. It is anti-American, and it hurts the average worker. I always thought it was a bit of a misfit, too, if you had to sit out, like I've had to sit out, you know, 90-day or six-month non-competes, but unemployment doesn't last six months, so it doesn't really jibe with that chronologically. You said something about hairstylists. I had no idea hairstylists, who usually rent the space that they're working in in the first place, are also held to non-competes? Correct. And, and security guards. I mean, why can't one security guard from a mall go work at a different mall if he or she's offered a better job? Wow. Because the non-compete suppresses their wage and they know they can't live on two or three or four weeks worth of severance mm-hmm. when they're under a six-month non-compete. If the non-compete rules were that you got paid the entire time, your full salary, your full health care benefits that continue during the non-compete period, I wouldn't be against this rule. But I am against this rule because even though lawyers are exempt from non-compete, it doesn't affect me. Mm. But it affects the average worker, and I've been doing this for 32 years, and I've seen what it does to the store managers, the regional managers, the district managers, and it's just unfair for them to get one or two or three or four weeks of pay and have to be out for six months or nine months or 12 months, depending what retail company you work for. Mm-hmm. I never noticed this either, but I, I, I saw here in the notes on, on your bio that even if you wanted to leave a job to start your own business, if it's a competing business, you you can be held to a non-compete in that realm as well? That is absolutely correct. And the one thing that I, I just want to say on 
you know, big businesses and how powerful they are on these non-competes and how bad they want to keep them. And the CEO who's making 86 or $84 million a year, again, I don't begrudge him. I'm a capitalist. But the fact that the lower workers have to have non-competes, I, I could go back to uh, Clinton and George W. Bush, but I won't. Just take the Obama administration. Mm -hmm. The Democrat Party, supposedly the party of the average worker, had the House, Senate, and White House. Couldn't touch non-competes. Then comes Donald Trump, the Republicans, the party supposedly of free market economy, free trade, had the House, Senate, and White House. Couldn't touch non-competes. Biden had the House, Senate, and non-compete couldn't touch him. He had to do an executive order, order in the FTC. This is the closest that it's ever come. And you can go back to the Obama administration, the, the George W. Bush. I blame the Republicans and Democrats party because big business buys them. They're in the big business pockets. And that's what keeps this rule around. So did the filibuster keep this from happening under Obama or did he not even try? I don't recall. They never even tried. There, there's a, a act that businesses will turn to and say, oh, but the workplace mobility is making its way through Congress, which would sort of touch non-competes. The problem is when you have a bipartisan um, bill that goes through, if it ever gets passed, it has so many loopholes and holes, it's like a piece of Swiss cheese. Mm. It, nothing good's going to come out of that. It was introduced in 2019, never got out of committee. Mm -hmm. Introduced in 2021, never got out of the committee. It's been reintroduced. It's not going to go anywhere. And I will say, I give Marco Rubio credit on the Republican side trying to address non-competes on the Democrat. Senator Murphy and Elizabeth Warren have tried. But when each party controlled all three branches of government and mm -hmm. could have gotten rid of non-competes, they couldn't do it. That was Dallas Labor Attorney Andy Trusevich telling us about the public comment period now at FTC.gov. I'll put that in today's show notes as well. Or you can just go to FTC.gov and look for public comments and weigh in as well. President Biden's executive order now being studied by the FTC, and we should work together to get rid of non-compete clauses. That's going to do it for The Ron Show. Back tomorrow, 5 to 6 p.m. on the America One Radio app, americaoneradio.com. Show notes, podcast links, and more at ronshowatl.com. Have a great one.